don't know. He said something like, you lie from your face like farts from ass. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Paul. And I'm Fonda. And we are proud to be powered by... uh, We are proud to be... (laughs) We are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Powered powered by by ATB. How are you, Fonda? I'm doing pretty good. I'm taking us back to the north side of the river. That's right. We are currently in a car um, coming from uh, Calder Saga, uh, a show by Cardiac Theater. Um, a queer tavern drama for a midwinter's night is the, the full title. Yeah, I, 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 found, I found the storytelling in this show quite delightful, Paul. Um, well, what, what, set us up. What is Calder Saga? All right. Uh, every year on the day, uh, these two characters, Calder and Saga, uh, meet at a tavern, um, and from from they they catch up and they share stories. It, it's sort of a the structure of the show is two friends uh, sharing stories in in a tavern of which we are in the back of the almanac. We are in a bar, uh, but the 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 twist, if you if you will, is that these are sort of. These are characters with connections to uh, Norse mythology. With sort of, there's mythology being told. The stories they're told are not just uh, myth, are not just uh, personal ones, but mythical ones. Yeah. So they're sort of, um, they're they're not exactly human. They're they're sort of magical beings themselves. Um, they kind of seem to travel through time and they integrate with the gods in their stories. Um, and I thought that um, you know the the subtitle for this show is um, a, a queer a queer a tavern? queer tavern drama for a midwinter's night. That's right. So there's a a bit of um, queerification or emphasis on the queer themes of um, some of Norse mythology, which I think is um, maybe a little bit lesser known or lesser emphasized in in some other. Uh, exposure that we might have had to Norse, with mo- Norse mythology, right? But is but is there? The gods do whatever the hell they want. I guess so. Um, <laughs> they do not abide by binaries or or otherwise, and neither does this play. So, Fonda, what were your what were your impressions of this? What what uh, immediately stood out for you about the show? Um, I really appreciated the performances of both Calder and Saga, um, played by Jake Tkachuk and Nazra Dem, uh, respectively. The physical contrast that they have on stage um, is actually really interesting, especially the way that the physical um, comedy plays out between the two of them, particularly in the very first story that they tell about um, how they met, which has something to do with Calder and how he was um, lost his virginity to um, one of the Norse gods. God, <laughs> and then there's a giant involved um, later on about there's giant slaying, there's there's parental expectations in that first story. Um, yeah, it sort of takes this, uh, the, this world of mythology and, and tells these stories, but through a very personal lens, because we're being told these stories by, by these two characters who, who went through them, who, who exist through them. Yeah, and I, what was interesting, like, I mean, the setting was very intimate. You were very close to the characters for the entire show. Um, I didn't expect the second act, but I did appreciate that it went into sort of like full drag lip sync mode at some at yeah. one point, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, is absolutely. very cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, what were some of the stories that stuck out for you, Paul? 
Um, I think uh, for me, like what I uh, what I found myself drawn to was the the relationship between Calder and Saga. So so for me, it was sort of like uh, the beginning of the end were sort of the the punchiest moments for me, which was sort of we have this. How did they meet? How did this become a tradition of meeting once a year to tell these tales uh, at That's a tavern? At this one tavern, yeah. yeah at this one tavern, and then. Uh, and then sort of the end when it sort of circles back to um, why Saga was late. Um, and, we, and that is a new story, a new story that's being, being brought. And, uh, and, and sort of the, the consequences of that felt more, more tangential. Uh, tangential. Um, um, but uh, but uh, those where we, we have those connections through to our storytellers. That was sort of the moments that, uh, that stood out the most for me. Um, yeah, it was a two-act show, which I, I also was not expecting. And I think there's like... A, uh, a real punchy, like uh, eighty or ninety-minute version of the script mm-hmm. um, um, that that is maybe one act that just sort of um, uh, powers through. Maybe maybe trims some of the stories or cuts one all together to to sort of get through that that arc of the storytellers and also the story. Because for us, the audience is as much about the telling as it is about the stories themselves. We get to see them told in this way um, by these characters, and so for me, the the arc of it is really about the effect that the storytellers are having on each other as well and what's going on in their lives. What about you, Fana? What what stood out for you? What were the stories that, that leapt out at you? Yeah, I think I was really, I was on this cold winter night, I was very warmed by just this notion of two people who really enjoy telling stories together. They find this thing that they're good at. Um, and, you know, and it's very, it's very clear that they're platonic, but they love each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, there's just this like mutual appreciation for each other being there and each other allowing, um, allowing certain stories. And I, when Calder at the, at the end in the last story, when Calder encourages Saga to tell the new story about why she was late, um, I feel that it was sort of like kind of a meeting of the very first story when we heard a lot more about Calder in the beginning. Right, right, right. Um, so it came full circle in that way. And I, I think that um, in in script uh, scriptural terms, it, it really, it did come full circle. I felt it was kind of like a nice package that way. And yes, well, I agree with you that it co- probably could be like cinched into a nice tight like fringe show slot Mm -hmm. I didn't I actually kind of um relished the um the I don't know kind of like the settling in and and the way and and the uh the way that the stories drew themselves out a little longer I like the songs and the dancing oh yeah yeah. (laughs) um I think that Nazra Dem did a really great job of um uh quite the animalistic character scale. They play um, all sorts of characters like a magpie and a mm-hmm. squirrel. Um, and that was, you know, it was very, uh, it, it, was, it was great to see because they're a very talented uh, performer. And, they, you know, just to hear the voice doing so many different, like, scales of things was, uh, I, I thought, really great. Yeah, I thought the, the charm of both of the performers really, really sold it in a, in, a, in a strong way, especially given the proximity. Sort of, they're around us, they're making direct eye contact with us, they're literally telling us these stories. Um, uh, and I thought, I thought both personalities and both, uh, both performances were, were very strong in that in that uh, subject matter. Are you very familiar with Norse mythology, Fonda? No, you know, not really. I, I worked for a couple of years when I was in university at a store called Rowena, which was steeped in Celtic 
Celtic and Norse mythology. Sure. Um, but um, actually, one of the most uh, recent exposures that I've had to Norse mythology was um, Neil Gaiman and, and his big tome on, on the subject. Right. Um, and actually, when he was in Edmonton, he did touch on one of the same stories that they have in this show. Um, although kind of a more tangential part of it, um, it was about Thor's, uh, or, or Freya's wedding to the giant and Thor doing some cross-dressing, sure, yeah, um, yeah. which didn't end up being the main part of the story. It was more about Thor's son not wanting to take a wrestling class in this production, um, which was actually really great and it ended up being one of the best, um, you know, the best drag moment of the show. Really. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool, yeah, I thought that uh, Harley Morrison is the writer and director of, of this show. Um, Harley's work we've seen before, Cardiac I think we've seen before, um, but uh, this is maybe the first time I think I've seen a Harley show with uh, where Harley had written uh, written the work. And I thought it was, uh, yeah, it was sort of this interesting combination of mythology uh, and sort of... Uh, uh, this sort of postmodern sense of timelessness, you know, when they're telling us these stories, they reference Tinder and Grinder and um, phones, you know, uh, iPhones pop up and, and that sort of thing. But I think it, it never got strayed too far into reference mode that we lost sort of the heart of those characters or, or the stories they were telling. Yeah, and it still seemed that there was like very, um, some very like punctuating lines that were in, you know, either in verse or a little bit of rhyme um, to make it seem, you know, sort of more mythical um, yeah. or more, more in the lines of what you might read in like a big a big mythology a tome. tome in Edith yeah. Hamilton's <laughs> mythology perhaps exactly yeah. yeah I mean so so that was that was great I think I do think that it was it was nicely written it came together well uh, in the end full circle and and the performances were were just fantastic I don't um, I don't I honestly don't think that you'd feel as comfortable and as at ease with two performers in this close of a space. Um, that often, really, yeah. especially talking about some of like the sexy shit that they're talking about, you know. <laughs> right, right, really, really getting into it—the love story between you know a mortal and a god, and you know, um, <laughs> bone in, in in all of those times. Yeah, and there's just such beautiful imagery in Norse mythology too about how. Um, one of the characters, you know, uh, the god who has sex with Calder is talking about how humans are made of flesh and bone um, and 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 they are made of spit and magic mm -hmm. like just what like oh you know we yeah. it's it's just sort of like a, a shift from the regular um, imagery that we normally get around gods and people I think uh, mm -hmm. which I was, was really appreciated yeah, absolutely. What do you think of sort of, uh, maybe you touched on it a bit, Fonda, but what do you think of sort of um, mythology today and how, what function that has in sort of telling stories that either connect with um, not necessarily even Norse mythology, but sort of those sorts of mythologies? What, uh, what boon does that give to sort of the, the contemporary ear um, when, we, when we hear someone sort of telling stories in, in that voice or in that verse or, or whatever the case may be? I don't. I don't know. I'm. I may be. I may be one a rare person in this in this side of the argument. But I love still hearing old mythology and um, the old old Greek or Roman or Norse myth and it or or Egyptian even. You sure, know yeah. um, the. They're Sumerian. All yeah. of the all of the really really old stories. Um, you know they have. They last because they have a very universal quality. Mm -hmm. They they teach about human nature, or they teach about why, 
you know, why things are. And I, and I think that there's still always, um, certain value in that. I think, I don't know. I could go on, <laughs> but, la- sure, yeah. but but later history, when things started getting put down in hard print and they weren't, you know, like verbal stories that changed as they needed to change as seasons or place or whatever. I think that, I think that things got, things got solidified and that's when people started getting divided about, you know, how they believe things were supposed to be or how they believe things actually happened. And, and the cool thing about mythology is that, um, and this show in particular and the Mm -hmm. way that it takes the, you know, the queer angle of things, um, is that it is malleable that, you know, the gods are there, but they're not set in stone. No one has ever been able to grasp what that is. So there's room to play and to um, be able to find the way that your own stories are told or that other, you know, anyone's story mm-hmm. is told. And I think that that's, I think that that's what's really beautiful about um, oral storytelling mm-hmm. is that it can, it, it, it can and does change um, as the teller and the audience needs it to. Right, 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 and even in uh, I'm sort of skimming uh, Harley's notes in the in the uh, the playbill right now, you know, and he's talking about uh, how male gods frequently engaged in a number of feminine acts, um, you know, that that sort of the that was part of these stories, you know, that that element was uh, was always prevalent in in that, and it's something that's sometimes not uh, as highlighted or or underscored or hasn't been for for a long time, and so it is it is nice to see those elements sort of just embraced. Um, and and seen for for what they are and and who and who they are. Yeah, and I I think as a canon of mythology, Norse mythology is one of the ones that um, we as Western culture in North America at least know very little. We we actually see very little little unless you've kind of seen American Gods or you've read you know um, more about it. It's. It, it kind of is disarming, like, oh, yeah, Loki. Loki is the weird trickster character. Okay, mm-hmm. let me find, you know, you know, and, and Freya is this, like, you know, incredible goddess that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Saga is just stunned by at one point. And, yeah, it just, like, it's kind of, it, it, I, lo- I, I revel in learning new, uh, new hierarch like, you know. Mythos. Hi- mythos, yes, exactly. Yeah. What, <laughs> new mountains of gods. It's always fun. <laughs> Cool, yeah. So that was um, that was uh, Calder Saga, uh, which runs until uh, January twenty sixth. Although not every night, it's sort of got a bit of a, a jump around schedule. But uh, you can find out more if you uh, search Calder Saga, K A L D R S A G A, uh, or Cardiac Theater on on Facebook or your other social medias. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I would I would absolutely recommend it for a night on white at the Almanac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have a have a drink, hear some stories, yeah. think about some stuff. <laughs> If you're an artist, check out ATB's Branch for Arts and Culture, a bank, music venue, and creative space all in one. So whether you're a budding musician wanting advice on how to save for a new instrument, or an artist looking for a bank that understands how your business works, ATB can help. For more information on the Branch for Arts and Culture, head to atb.com slash the branch. All right. Hey again, everyone. I am here now with our co-producer, Andrew Paul. Say hello, Andrew. Hello, everybody. Good to be back on the show, Fonda. And what did we do yesterday, Andrew? 
Well, you got to meet one of your comedy heroes as we went to Girl Brain uh, featuring Carolyn Taylor of Baroness Von Sketch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and Girl Brain is a sketch comedy troupe based here in Edmonton um, with Allison Dicey, Ellie Heath, and Kaylee Suliak. And I believe they have shows monthly at the Grind uh, Grindstone Theater. I almost called it Grindhouse. I always seem to do that with that venue, which is actually like a great little venue. Um, you know, I think the capacity is like, I don't know, between 60 and something. And yeah, it's it, like it's it was actually just a really great little space just tucked away behind White Ave there. Uh, yeah, I think they have shows every third Saturday of the month there. And Grindstone is a cool little venue. And I would agree it's probably about 40 to 60 folks, which uh, makes it nice and cozy and makes it a really great live comedy venue as well. It's always nice when the crowd can be as close as possible to the stage and the so that the performers can feed off that that energy. And there is definitely a lot of good energy at that show last night. Yeah, the performers are close enough. You, you feel like you can touch them. And I did, I did get to touch Carolyn Taylor's hand. I shook her hand and was like, oh, I'm such a big fan. Oh my God, the Baroness. And I practiced my curtsy and everything too for it. Just special. Anyway, so, um, well, what were some of the sketches that stood out for you? We'll talk about the Carolyn Taylor uh, monologue in a bit because that was definitely the highlight. Um, but what were some of the sketches that stuck out to you in the show? Uh, yeah, well, there's, uh, you know, overall, it was like a very solid, funny show. Uh, some of those that stuck out for me was the herpes meets anxiety and depression sketch. <laughs> uh, so this was a funny bit that uh, I believe it was Ellie Heath uh, on stage uh, chatting uh, about her depression and anxiety. Uh, and then herpes played by carolyn taylor comes out and uh the depression anxiety character sort of leave ellie and go uh, start hanging out with with herpes and um you know we feel a little bit bad for herpes by the end of the sketch um but it had everybody uh laughing pretty hard um i really liked the uh, the concept of not anthropomorphizing herpes, <laughs> personifying. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought there was probably a lot more that they can they can do with this um, this concept of like herpes as a person dealing with anxiety and depression. Uh, so I'll be interested to see if they continue building on on this sketch. Maybe uh, if they ever do like a best of uh, sketch series for Girl Brain. Um, I think this one would definitely fit into a lineup like that. And I'd be interested to see uh, where, where they take it. Yeah, I think that anxiety and depression are recurring characters that they bring back through sketches. And, uh, and in this one, um, Ellie was playing someone who was being co concerned about dating. Um, and um, to have, you know, like anxiety and depression personified. And then also herpes played, you know, by Carolyn Taylor. That was a pretty big, you know, star turn. <laughs> um, but I think that what one of the cool things about um, uh, Taylor's style is that she's she's just sort of really nonchalant, and I wouldn't say self-deprecating. A lot of the um, a, a lot of the humor in the show was kind of deprecating or total gross out in certain cases too. Um, we'll talk about the uh, the weeping vag sketch was just disgusting, um, but uh, yeah, she she just has this kind of like sort of like dumpy nonchalance that that is really. Um, really kind of actually like endearing though and charming 
the other so well okay well, let's talk about the weeping veg then um the weeping veg is a i i believe also a recurring character that they bring back um and it's played by kaylee suliak ellie heath is reading from this like you know sequined tome um that has the weeping veg written on the front and it's sort of like seems it like very um the tone is very sort of like corny soap opery to start and then you realize that oh my god no this is actually about someone who is um incredibly hungover and has the shit <laughs> it's just like completely awful. <laughs> yeah, it very much opens up like um, I don't know story time, uh, like you see on those you know after school specials. I just imagine it like you see the cover of the book flip open, and then there's like a picture of something, and then you get into the story with this uh, narrator uh, who was Ellie Heath in this case, um, going through uh, the I believe it was like a New Year's Eve party, uh, and it was definitely high quality gross out humor, uh, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going through, um, you know, we've all sort of been there at one point in time in our lives where we are in a bathroom at a party suffering from some major gastrointestinal <laughs> distress uh, and some of the things that can go wrong um, in a very sort of public <laughs> yeah. uh, place. Uh, but then also the morning after um, you get home and wake up just with, you know, all of this blue Gatorade that is kicking around and you just need to drink, but it's so disgusting. And then you have to do a task, you know, helping in this case was helping someone move a futon. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was sort of like a universal struggle. I think, you know, everybody can uh, identify with, with this sketch, uh, even though it is like, uh, as I said, a very high quality, uh, poop bit <laughs> everybody who's been to a new year's eve party and lived to see the day after um all right well let's talk about um carolyn taylor had a, a bit of a solo monologue uh go in there and it um i think i will never listen to whitney houston the same way again after seeing this sketch because she she starts talking about how she was a super big fan of um figure skating, pair skating in particular, um, after the Calgary Olympics. Um, of course, like many Canadians uh, in 1984, were, were they were in 84 or 86? I don't remember. I believe they were in 88. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> anyway, um, so she starts talking about how, you know, she would love to see um, a dream team, a dream pairs team of uh, either Kurt Browning and Brian Orser, either either one, I don't remember which it ended up being, but paired with Katerina Witt. And um, because last year at the Olympics was the very first year that lyrics were actually allowed in pairs figure skating, um, Carolyn thought that this would be a great time for her to choreograph. Um, the ultimate pairs reunion team um, to Whitney Houston's I Have Nothing. I think, is that what the song is called? I uh, yes, yes that, that, that is the song. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, being able to have songs uh, or music with lyrics now, you know, is a real game changer. Uh, what you can do with your choreography and uh, putting on those shows. So, um, can you walk us through uh, <laughs> how this, uh, this sketch unfolded? I love how this with this is still now ending up being a podcast about dance because what um, what Carolyn did was you know she set up she set it up pretty well to you know have this kind of dream team come out and then they played the the Whitney Houston song and which is a very dramatic like belty very um, punctuating moments in the song you know it's like um, and, and so and she 
pretty much gestured the entire ice dance and you could you could really see it it's because i and what was i appreciated about this so much was that it's so canadian um because we all know what a pairs routine sort of looks like we know what certain lifts are or we know you know and and so we you know we, she puts her arms above her head and let, let, then does like one arm and then does like one finger and you can actually sort of like envision in your mind these figure skaters doing this ridiculous routine um while this music is playing it's so dramatic i i had to pee i almost peed myself laughing um watching her do this um and she's also kind of like narrating that you know like they're giving each other these looks and like it was the best ice dance or i'm sorry pairs um figure skating routine that i have seen on i don't know like a 10 by 10 foot stage of like of all time (laughs) ever Yeah, it was a hilarious sort of stream of consciousness uh, run through the routine playing like the skaters, the coaches, the, um, you know, the flower girls, you know, at the end. um, That was some top notch physical comedy. I I have to say that was, um, you know, the real cherry on top uh, of last night's all around hilarious performances from all of those talented uh, comedians. Yeah. So that was Girl Brain with Carolyn Taylor playing three sold out shows this whole weekend. I mean, like, uh, you know, lots of CBC comedy heroes in town. I guess Kevin McDonald was also in town this weekend with rapid fire theater um uh, kevin mcdonald for those who don't know was is one of the kids in the hall um so yeah uh baronesses and and all the things we are we were so excited to see um see her in town and yeah i think um i think with that let's uh let's go to our second ad ever wonder how edmontonians helped create their river valley parks or how lawns affect the locals who live nearby? Our pals on Let's Find Out are starting the new year off with a special live event called How Nature Shapes Us. From clearing the prairies with fire to planting elm trees along our streets, humans have been shaping the land in Edmonton for millennia, and it's been shaping us right back. You can join in on this afternoon of short talks and a live recording of Let's Find Out at the Almanac on February 9th. For more information about Let's Find Out and all of APN's member podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right, so now we've got some listings. Are you ready to help me with the listings, Andrew? Yes. Great. Okay, so um, as said before, Calder Saga, a queer tavern drama for a midwinter's night, is running at the Almanac on White from January 11th to 26th. And from January 12th to February 3rd, you can catch Sweat by Lynn Nottage at the Citadel Theatre. This is a Pulitzer Prize winning play and has been getting some really good buzz. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ballet BC is coming up with a triple bill at the Jubilee Auditorium with choreographies by Crystal Pite, William Forsyth, and Mehdi Valerski. That's on January 22nd and 23rd. And you can catch The Cardiac Shadow by Northern Light Theatre and Good Women Dance at the ATB Arts Barns from January 18th to February 2nd. And finally, we have Lake of the Strangers, produced by Neheo Wynn, starring Hunter Cardinal, coming up at the Backstage Theatre January 22nd to February 2nd. Um, So that's all we got for this week, everyone. There's lots of cool things happening. I know it's cold, but that means it's a great time to sit in a theater and enjoy some of what our talented city has to offer, right? Yeah. Yeah, go see some shows. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app.
I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sit here thinking, I love you.